I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Better duo in Minnesota. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. That's a forfeit. I don't care, I don't care how important the game is and, uh, and what playoff implications it have on it. That's irresponsible on, on their behalf. I should be the rookie of the year. Oh, mama, I can hear crying and you're so scared and all alone. Yo, 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 welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Man, the name says it all, but if you like what you hear, make sure you download and subscribe. Listen, make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We've been getting a lot of positive reviews from our listeners and our viewers, but make sure you personally reach out to us and let us know how you feel by leaving us a five-star rating. You also can watch us on YouTube. Just visit YouTube.com. Slash all things covered and make sure you leave that rating. Like I said, five stars, no fours, no threes, no twos, no ones, only fives. But Pat, man, I heard we got a real good episode. What we going to cover on this episode? Well, Mac, we're going to be talking to one of my favorite guys in the world. I've been watching this kid since he was 11 years old, a rookie standout. Justin Jefferson will join us on the podcast today. We also going to catch up on our loss against the Patriots. We got to catch up around the league with the COVID. And we also got to talk a little bit about this weekend boxing. Mm. It was a boxing match this weekend? It was like three of them. Matter of fact, it was four. And one of them didn't turn out too well. <sighs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yo, yo, what's happening? It's the first quarter of our show. And if you guys have been following our show, it's Chopping It Up. And then Chopping It Up, we take you down memory lane or share fun, cool stories with you guys throughout our professional career or just throughout our life. We just had Thanksgiving turkey. We have a lot to be thankful for. And with that being said, we would like to share some traditions that we love to see happen, either daily, weekly, monthly, or yearly, but traditions that we look forward to seeing. Me, personally, I have a, a cool tradition I'd like to share with you guys. But, Pat, before I get the baton from you, please share with us one of your favorite football traditions. Uh, of any time, you said? Anytime. anytime. It could be as a child. It can be as a teenager, as an adult. But one of your favorite all-time football traditions. I probably have to say we used to, when I was growing up, we used to always go up to my auntie Bridget house. She lived up in Orlando. And you know, from Florida, that's like a two, yeah, you've been from Florida, been from South Florida. That's like a two and a half hour drive, depending on how you're driving. Uh, once yep. I got older enough, I was getting there in about two and a half, but, uh, <laughs> we won't discuss the speed, but going up there every year for Thanksgiving, I kind of look forward to that. She had a son. His name is Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who's also getting uh my shout out to Keith Pickett. He getting married here uh next March, if I'm not mistaken. And I got the honor to be in that wedding. Um, but we used to try we used, we used to travel up there every year up until I got into college. And our our tradition, him and I, we used to always play one-on-one basketball. He always mm-hmm. thought he was better than me. You know, he's very, very competitive. My, my my man Keith is very, very competitive. He's only a year younger than me. But we used to always play basketball, and he always wanted to be Shaq. And of course, me being Kobe being Kobe. my guy, yep. Kobe being my guy. So that was always like, you know, our 
thing every single year. Everybody, after we done eating, everybody, you know, you know, watch a little football, this, that, and another. But when it's time for the the one on one matchup, we had we had uh, uh, obviously my mom out there, our grandparents, his mom and dad out there. Everybody we, was watching you. Everybody's watching. So it yeah. was like it was like the the main event after football and after uh after we ate our turkey or whatever. But that was one of the things I always look forward to because like me being in the football, you know, arena at that, uh, at that age growing up, you know, traveling and stuff like that. So I kind of took it personal. I used to have like a little, uh, a bag and obviously, you know, we had to drive up there. So I actually took it as if, if it was a, as if it was a travel game for me. <laughs> you know, So that was one of the things I always looked forward to growing up uh, around this time because we used to always go up there to my auntie's house uh, in Orlando, Florida, and, and, and me and Keith, Keith used to always duke it out on the one-on-one uh, basketball match. So who came out on the on, on the winning end? I did every year. Kobe. Oh, you beat him every. Okay, thank you. Keith didn't get one victory. Yeah, he, he did. We used to do. We, what we used to do was I, I I used to beat him so bad, like on that one game. He used to always wanted to play more. So I said, you know what, we're gonna do it as a series. Around when we got around like twelve years old, I was like the best out of three. Best out of three, I obviously lose, lose. Ain't no more. We going to, cause at one point we literally used to be out there all night. He didn't want to stop playing until he got a victory. So I was like, you know what? We're going to squash this. Best of three. If you can't win best of three, it's over until next year. And that's, and that's when we settled this. But, um, I was definitely, I won every single series. That's what's up. That's what's up. So your tradition, you know, happened while you were a child. My tradition, uh, I became a part of as, as an adult, as a professional. So I get drafted to Pittsburgh and, uh, my rookie year, something that I started to really understand with Pittsburgh and Heinz Field, playing in Heinz Field, uh, mm-hmm. there was a common tradition that we would expect, especially if it was a big ball game. And that tradition was listening to a rock band called Sticks. So Sticks, I don't know if you ever heard of Sticks before, Pat. You heard of Sticks before? No. Me neither. I never heard of Sticks before until I got drafted <laughs> into Pittsburgh, but I really respect Sticks and they show us a lot of love. Listeners, viewers, listen to Sticks. Great rock band. It gets you going. But their song they used to play in Heinz Field was Renegade. And the thing about Renegade, Pat, they will only play our, our PA individual only played in the stadium when the defense is on the football field. It could be in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, it's a tight, close ball game, and they cut all the lights off in the stadium. So we're on the field, right? It's a TV timeout. It's a TV timeout. So we're on the field in the huddle, and instantly it goes, it goes like kind of dark in the stadium. And then we hear, oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arms of the law. Doom, 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 doom. Law man has put it into my running and I'm so far from my home. Doom, 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 doom. Oh, mama, I can hear crying and you're so scared and all alone. Doom, doom. Hey, man, it's coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. And then hit you with it. And then it just go rocking. Bro, listen, I tried, I tried my best to give you a sample of what it feel like in Hinesville. I might have failed. If I did, please forgive me. I tried with all my heart and soul. But listen, when you hear that in Hinesville, I don't care what the situation is. I don't care who we're playing against. Somebody's getting hit in the jaw. Somebody's going to get hit dead in the jaw. It could be legally or illegally. It doesn't right. matter. 
Somebody's getting hit in the jaw. So my rookie year, when we went on our playoff run and they played that sticks, I instantly became part of X-Men. I felt like I can do whatever I want to do. I can float. I can run through a wall. I can jump off the tallest building and hit my feet and be good. I can run through a a, a truck. It didn't matter. Right. It gave us superpowers. Mm-hmm. And the fans would be rocking with us, man. Listen, I've seen so many people get their eye black from that song. From the opposing offense and I, and I huddle, we rocking. So that tradition for me, even to this day, I don't get a chance to hear it as much because like I said, they usually play during a TV timeout. Mm-hmm. But when they play that, man, something good is going to happen. Guys, listeners, viewers, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube, type in sticks, renegade, Pittsburgh Steelers. You get a glimpse of what I'm talking about. <laughs> Embrace yourself because you will never be the same after you listen and see that. I'm going I'm to go listen to it. I'm going to go check it out. You might need to put that in your playlist too, Pat, because I'm trying I'm to tell you, man, that, man, that thing used to do something to me. Oh, man. Yeah, I got to check that out. <laughs> Sticks. Sticks. Renegade. Sticks. Shout out to Sticks. Renegade. Renegade. Oh, mama. Boy, I got fired up just then. <laughs> I just got fired up. <laughs> now, listeners, it's time for Cardinals check-in. Here's where we get an opportunity to recap the most recent ball game with the Arizona Cardinals. That ball game was against the New England Patriots in New England, a 1 p.m. kickoff, a very, very important ball game for the Cardinals. Unfortunately, it was a very close game for four quarters. The Cardinals came up on the losing end of the stick, missed the field goal towards the end of the fourth quarter that led to a field goal attempt from the New England Patriots. They were able to capitalize on that ball game, man. But before the ball game kicked off, Pat, national news, national news came from your organization. Future Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald, it was publicized that he tested positive for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, when you guys heard that news, you know, did the, 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 the course of your preparation change? You know, getting ready to travel to New England and not knowing if anybody else could be considered close contact with Fitzgerald because he practiced with you guys the entire week, correct? No, no, he didn't. Oh, he didn't? Uh, I think Larry had... Uh, yeah, actually he did. So I believe it... The test came back positive on Thursday morning, so he didn't practice with us Thursday or Friday. Okay. And obviously the rest of the week because we left on Friday. I think it definitely impacted, you know, our game plan on some of the things that we wanted to do um, because we know how valuable Larry is in that slot position as far as catching the ball and also involved in a run game. So, you know, Larry is one of those receivers that always been, you know, one of those tough, nitty-gritty receivers that can dig out those DNs, crap block on those uh, those outside backers, especially when when guys have, you know, size um, on their side, on the defensive side of the ball. So I think definitely missing him was uh, very, very vital into our loss on Sunday. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not the only team going through that. You know, we have to find a way to rope the punches. And, you know, my thing was, my message to the team was, you know, all week was, you know, we got to find a way to get 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 this one for 11. You know, we know the preparation that he puts in, how much he care about us, and um, we know he's going to be watching. So, you know, who's ever in in his position, you know, don't let him down. You know, that was that was my message to the guys going in. But you know, at the end of the day, we have to be able to we have to make sure that we're prepared for that because at, at the same time, you don't know when it's going to happen. You yep. really don't because that was one of my least concerns that, you know, Larry would get freaking COVID. And I know he's, you know, always by himself, you know, if he, if he's not by himself, he's with his kids, you know, so I know he definitely wasn't irresponsible. It was just one of those, one of those things that, uh, that happened. And I believe it definitely, it, it hurt us into, into preparing into our normal offense. You know, you can, you can just tell we wasn't, we, we didn't do 
a lot of things that we would have done if Larry was in the lineup. So we definitely had to do a lot of uh, tailor making tailor making uh, to the to the game plan. But you know, at the same time. We're not the only one that have to go through the, through that problem. Uh, 20 to 17 loss, like I mentioned a little earlier. Man, when I look at the numbers, Pat, man, I, I've seen games like this before. I've been a part of games like this where offensively the team that beats you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton had his numbers, 9 of 18 for 84 yards, two interceptions, nine rushes for 46 yards. The Cardinals had 121 more total yards than the Patriots. What was the biggest thing that led to the loss? Just think situational football, you know, that's as a, as a team, that's where, that's where we have to take that next step because that's where, you know, at this point of the season, that's where games are lost and won. You have to be a very, very sound situational football team because at the end of the day, when you, when you don't execute in those situational periods of the game, Nine times, nine times out of ten, it comes back and bite you. And you know, we, you know, we didn't get, we didn't get the points at the, at the, at the entry yard line before halftime. And it can go anyway. I, I love the aggressive call by coach. Obviously, you know, we got all the way down there, and, and, and as a defensive player, I can respect that going for it there. You know, so, but for the most part, I just think as a team, if we want to take that next step, we have to get better at situational football. We have to get better in two men and one. We have to get better at, you know, end of the game situation. You, you know, is that, that's just some of the things that's, that's going to have to happen if we want to get into this postseason, you know, because, you know, we talk about all the time. I've been on a, a bunch of a bunch of different teams to where, you know, we had, we, we, we had opportunities to be in the playoffs. We, we put ourselves in position to be in the playoffs, but we also played ourselves out of that position. Yeah. So Make that's my, that's my, that's my message to my, to my teammate is like now November, December football, you heard it before. It's different. It's playoff football every single game. I don't care who you're playing, AFC, NFC, the, you know what I mean? It, 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 any, it's, it's literally any given Sunday. So, I, and I think we'll, and I know we'll, we would get better this week because we got better this, this week at his previous game at situational football. We just mm-hmm. wasn't able to execute far as getting the points or making a field goal or, or, or things like that. So, and all that is that that's just um, um, that's to a man, you know, you know, we have to do a better job, you know, as a team, as a whole on making sure that we hit our pitch when it comes. Yeah. And, you know, situational football is very, very important. Uh, listeners and, and viewers, I know you hear, you guys hear us talk about it all the time, but that's that, that is where games are won and lost, you know, in situational periods. And you got to be able to capitalize on that. Uh, talking about, you know, being able to capitalize uh, watching the game. You know, from afar, you were a part of the ball game. You were a part of the entire prep leading up to the Patriots game. Watching Kyler Murray, man, it it, it seems like he – I don't want to, you know, say he's not healthy, but it seems like something is bothering him compared to the Kyler Murray we saw weeks ago. You know, since that hit against Seattle, he's not moving around and, 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 and being explosive like he was before. This past Sunday, you know, 22 of 34, 170 yards, one interception. Five rushes for 31 yards. Is he fully healthy? Mm. You know, seeing him, you know, prepare, he looks the same to me. You know, mm-hmm. he's been out there each each and every day throwing a ball. I haven't seen seeing guys like for the most part. Like I've been around Carson. Um, I've been around uh, Sam Bradford. It's a little bit a different situation, but those guys yeah. like never really worked on on Wednesdays or like once Carson last year came, he literally mm-hmm. only practices like on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So. I see Kyle out there each and every day working, throwing, you know, obviously 
with him being a quarterback, you always have to get maintenance on your shoulder because, you know, that's one of the things that you're using a lot throughout the day, you know, probably on average throughout the week, he's probably, probably getting about a hundred throws, you know, and that could be a lot on, uh, on the shoulder, you know, so for the most part, he looks, he looks healthy to me. I think he's just doing, he's just taking what the defense is giving him. I believe the Patriots did a great job of, of containing him, having a spy on him, you know, for the most part, you know, I don't want to give away, you know, you know, our game plan, but the three teams that we lost to are all Bill Parcells disciples. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, those guys, you know, and, and what they have in, in common is that, you know, they have big bruiser defense alignment. So they didn't hit us with any exotic, any exotic blitzes. I mean, they we run a lot of zero against us, but for the most part, they was just bullying our offensive line and not, that's a technique. So that's not, a down for the viewers, for the listeners. That's yeah. a technique that the defense alignment is using. They call that a bull technique on, the, on all they're doing is just literally rushing straight back and trying to push the pocket and collapse the pocket. And then they had spies on the outside of them. So it was very tough for him to get elusive because every time you look at it, when he was rolling out doing the play action, it was somebody either forcing him up into the pocket or the pocket was forcing him to roll out and you had a guy in his face every single time. So uh, I believe New England had a great game plan against him and, and, and that they do every week, you know, New England, although they, their, their record is what five and six, I believe mm-hmm. they is not one game that was lost by, you know, seven or more points. You know, they were in every single game. And when you watch the film, the games that they lost, they always have the ball at the end of the game, either yep. to win it yep. or to take to take it into overtime. So New England is a very, very well-prepared football team week in and week out. I don't care who they have on the field. Bill Belichick does a great job of not only game planning, but he does a great job of taking away what you do well. And looking forward to this upcoming week. Uh, no in-person activities. You know, the NFL, they're mandating um, that there will be no in-person activities Monday and Tuesday. How does this impact your week of preparation? Man, it's going to be, honestly, with the new schedule, we're already off on Mondays. So the only thing that's going to change is that we don't get a workout in. And yeah, you can't go to the facility to get, what about treatment? You can't go get any treatment or anything like that also, yeah, you, right? So you can still go get treatment if you're on the injury report. You know, you still, oh, okay. the, the training room is still open, I believe, you know, for a couple hours throughout the day. But on Tuesdays, Tuesdays, like literally getting, getting the game plans. So it's all meetings anyway. So I, I believe, I don't think it's going to hinder us in a sense of, of getting back into the groove because we really don't do anything Monday or Tuesday anyway. So Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday is like our first real uh, preparation day as far as yep. getting out on the grass, getting out and, and, and actually seeing what's going on versus hearing the game plan. So I think it's going to, uh, I think it's going to be great for us. Honestly, I, I, I don't see a problem with it so far. We'll have to wait and see what happens after um, this week, but you know, it's just going to come down to making sure that your young guys are, are, are being, are being pros, being professionals are still tuned into the game plan, still watching film on their own because that's what it's going to come down to now since, you know, we can't, it's mandatory that we can't come in for those two days, you know, previously. So, go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, since you can't, you're not supposed to go to the facility unless you're on the injury report. How do you get tested? So you, that's the only time you can go. So you either go get tested or you're going to get, so the, the testing center is, is not even, a part of the building, you know, it's a whole nother, you know, trailer, you know. So oh, so you, you get tested. You don't even go to the actually into nah, the facility. Okay. Nah. Gotcha. 
Exactly. So yeah, you go get tested in, in, in the trailer in the back of the facility and you go home or, or you go to go into the training room to, to get your treatment. Then you go home. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. So regardless, you're going to get tested every day until oh, the ball game. Yeah. You're getting tested every day. Six days a week. Only days you don't get tested is on game day. Correct. Uh, you get tested on game day too. Every day. Seven you get days. tested on game day too. Every day. Wow. Wow. I'm, I wonder how much, what, I mean, what, what that yeah, testing bill look like from the NFL? <laughs> Hey, they got it. No, yeah, they definitely got it. They definitely got it. So, you know, looking ahead for this upcoming ball game, man, this is another big opportunity for the Arizona Cardinals. The bad part about this past weekend, Pat, you guys lost. Mm -hmm. The good part about this past weekend, the Rams lost also. The Rams lost also. And you guys will face off against each other. You know, playoff implications will be on the line. Both teams are, you know, fighting not just for a playoff Mm -hmm. spot. You're still fighting for your division crown as well. So right. this is a huge game. What challenges when you look at the Rams and their offense led by Jared Goff, who didn't have a good outing this past week against San Francisco, uh, but we know he can, he's a guy that can bounce back with ease, especially with Sean McVay as his play caller. Well, you know, they got two football players that play wide receiver for them and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I mean, two outstanding guys. I really respect their ball game, but what type of challenges though can those two guys, you know, provide for your defense? Well, I mean, both of those guys are definitely outstanding receivers. Uh, have the opportunity to what, go up against those guys now. This will probably be my. Yeah, you played against them guys a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to think. So, Cooper, this is Cooper's fourth year in the league. I think this is his fourth year. Yeah, so this would be my seventh time going up against these guys, and yeah, they're very, very. In my opinion, I, I, they remind me a lot of, uh, you know, back in the day, the Golden Tate and uh, and uh, Doug Baldwin in uh. Seattle. Uh-huh. You know, those guys was definitely, you know, underrated, you know, not the typical size receiver, but they got things done, you know, and I believe these guys are, remind me of those two guys, very, very underrated, but have done nothing but tremendous things in this league ever since they got together. You know, I, they're definitely one of the better um, duos in the league right now, uh, you know, just being able to sit back and watch the things that they're able to do. And, on. and not only that, how Sean McVay is able to get, you know, all of his guys involved, you know, it's just not like, just like who they played Tampa on a uh, Monday night. I didn't see the last mm-hmm. game. Who they just, who they, uh, uh, when they played the Fort Nine, but Tampa was before that. Yeah. They played Tampa on Monday night. I was just so intrigued on, you know, how Sean is able to orchestrate the offense and keep everybody happy. And that's tough to do. And they mm-hmm. both have a hundred yards. Yep. Running back had over 80 yards. Tight end had over like 60 yards, you know, so. They do a great job of uh, uh, distributing the ball to their guys, and you just have to be ready for everything with them. With, with, with Robert, you know, he's a guy that loves to run those uh, pick routes, mm-hmm. those drags. You know, he loves love running into traffic, but he also a guy that can take the top off the defense. You can see him go deep every once in a while. And Cooper is like the 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 tough the, the 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 nails of the bunch. You know, he's a guy that you know that's going across the middle, running those digs, running those glands. To where if he if he does catch and the receiver put a lick on him, he can bounce off that tackle. He can break yeah. tackles. It's, it's definitely a, a pleasure to watch those guys um, when we're not playing against them. So it's going to be another fun matchup this Sunday. Um, like you said, playoff implications are definitely on the line. We got to start taking advantage of situations like this because you know although we lost that game, we shouldn't have lost that game Sunday. I know everybody says the same thing each and every week, but we definitely looking at the stat line and looking how well we played on defense. I mean, there's no way we should have lost against the uh, against the Patriots last week, but we did. 
You know, yep. so now, you know, we know we have another great challenge in front of us with the Los Angeles Rams because we know this is a very, very high, potent team. You know, have all pros all over that or all over that roster. So we got our hands full, but we have to make sure that we we uh, we, we we come out on fire and, and be, being able to ma- maintain that fire to hopefully get a W or something. Now it's time for Around the League. This segment is a segment where we get an opportunity to talk about other things that are happening outside of the Cardinals organization. There's been a lot of news, COVID-related news, throughout the National Football League. The big story coming from the NFL, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. It was slated, it was set up to be one of the biggest games on the Thursday slate of NFL games this past Thanksgiving Day. Game got postponed, got got delayed to Sunday because of a COVID outbreak within the Baltimore Ravens organization. Now, the Steelers had a few positive tests as well. Uh, James Conner tested positive. He was ruled out for this upcoming matchup. Uh, but the game didn't happen on Sunday. Then they decided to postpone it till Tuesday night. What's supposed to happen Tuesday night? Now, we just got worried that the game will be played Wednesday night, allegedly. But Baltimore seems to be still getting, you know, coming out with positive tests. I think they have 19 players that are currently positive right now. And they're saying it will be 3.40 p.m. Wednesday. So it's a weird kickoff time for this ball game on a weird day, but they're trying to do everything in their power uh, to get that done. And I think they will move another game to Monday. So it potentially could have three NFL games next Monday. Right. So you could potentially have three NFL games this upcoming Monday because of the, the, the postponement of games that just happened. But there are a lot of bad vibes coming from Pittsburgh with frustration being involved. Um, seeing what happened, you know, throughout the NFL so far when it comes to the COVID issues, you know, should the Steelers feel some type of way, Pat, because the game got canceled from, got postponed from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday? Should they feel some type of way, you think? No doubt about it. And why, why is that? Because that, that just goes to show you, you got guys not being responsible. Like why, why the Pittsburgh Steelers should get penalized because they're doing everything that they needed to do, you know, to make sure that they're safe. You know, everybody's following the protocol, but to have 18 guys have COVID, that's just like, come on. I mean, somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do. So I think. And and this and this might come back and bite me in the butt. But I think what the league should do is we can't obviously we they they rescheduled the game what three times already, right? Yep. Because you keep getting more and more COVID cases. That's a forfeit. I don't care. I don't care how important the game is uh, and what playoff implications it have on it. That's irresponsible on on their behalf. So why we? You already took, they already had one game, uh, taken away from earlier yeah. this year. It was, uh, with Titans, right? Mm-hmm. Well, That's what happened the- with the Titans was they stripped the Steelers from their bye week. So the Steelers don't have a bye week. Right. And that was because the Titans had an outbreak. They had nothing to do with Pittsburgh. So they took their right. bye week away from them. That's what I'm saying. To be able to get that game played. Right. So that's both of these situations have nothing to do with Pittsburgh, but they're still getting penalized from, for, from it. So yeah, they have to do it. If you have over 10 players that's going to, that's on like that one time that get calls for, you know, COVID or whatever. Now you got to do more research and see if that, if that team is following protocol, because to me, I think that's, it's, it's almost impossible. I won't say it's impossible, but that's almost unheard of of having 18 guys having COVID. 19. Yeah. If if 19, if everybody was doing what they're supposed to do, wearing their mask, stand six feet apart from each other, we wouldn't have this problem. But the thing is with that situation, Pat, 
the outbreak didn't necessarily it didn't initially start from a player for from what i heard was an individual associated with the team like a staff member or someone that's associated with the team they didn't say if it was a coach an assistant or whatever the title whatever their title was but that's the person that actually had symptoms they said the strength coach the strength coach okay there you have it the strength coach is (laughs) the reason for this potential outbreak that they're dealing with now he's not a player but he's associated with the organization and they're all tied together. And yeah. that has to be something that, you know, they should be punished for because if you're feeling some type of way, I'm pretty sure these they have given you guys ultimate rules to follow, guidelines. If you feel some type of way, instantly let someone know so right. they can jump on that situation. He decided to not let anyone know, and he kept – he showed up to the facility, and now it's a whole outbreak going on in Baltimore. So it's not right, but one thing I can say – and I think this leads to why we have yet to see a cancellation of a game is because of the bottom line. Yes, there are no fans in most of the NFL stadiums in the National Football League. And some stadiums have a few fans, right? 25% capacity, whatever the case may be. But there's still money to be made. There's still money to be made. So they're going to do everything in their power to make sure these games are being played. And also the NFL, they do not want to come under fire and what i mean when i say that pat p listeners and viewers is because you see how they continue to push this game back i don't think the game's going to be played on wednesday because if they just had a positive test today there's right. a good chance they might have a positive test tuesday because oh. like you said pat p you get tested every day every right day. so if you continue to have a, at least one or two positive tests how can you play a ball game on wednesday so they keep continue to try to push this game back but they're trying to play this game because you know why they just made the Denver Broncos play a game this past Sunday with no legit quarterback. Right. No legit quarterback. Granted, they did not have the same amount of positive tests that the Baltimore Ravens currently have, but their entire quarterback room was wiped out. There's no way in the world they could have won that ball game. I don't care what you say how or how optimistic you are. You cannot win a ball game with a legit serviceable quarterback against a team like the New Orleans Saints. There's no way possible, but they made the Broncos play. Early in the year, we talked about Tennessee. Tennessee had an outbreak. They stripped the Steelers of their uh, of their bye week just to make sure Tennessee played their game. And Tennessee played the game, didn't even have normal practice time. So what the NFL is trying to do, they don't want to cancel this game because if they cancel this game, they're going to receive so much black backlash because you made the Broncos play with no quarterbacks. You made Tennessee play with no practice time, how is that fair? It's mm. not. It's not fair. But at the same time, if if you if you have an eighteen people, right? If you yeah. so, I know they gave us. I think if they don't cancel the game, I, I agree they should play. No matter if who, you make Tennessee play, if you make Bron- Denver play, they got to play also. And and I agree. So they, and they gave us sixteen more men on the practice squad. So you yeah. elevate them if that's what you know the case may be. You have to find a way. To, uh, to make this right because, no, nah, because Pittsburgh can't keep continue getting penalized off of somebody else's mistake. No question. No question. And, and talking about the Denver Broncos, <laughs> uh, Kendall Hilton had to be the quarterback for Denver this past Sunday against New Orleans Saints, man. And, and it, they lost 31-3, luckily. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I tip my hat to him getting, getting thrown, thrown in at fire, you know, it had to be a tough situation, but they were, they were set up to fail. They had no opportunity to win that ball game. But Pat, let me ask you this question. Okay. Growing up and watching your football career, at one point in time, you used to be known to be a 
pretty savvy with the ball as a quarterback. Let's say the unthinkable happened, and as a hypothetical, this happened to, you know, the, now I don't want to say the Carters, but let's say a team you're associated with. Could you go in and play quarterback if need be as an emergency option? Oh, Mac, man, listen, boy, if I ever got – I, I, I wish I was on the couch now and Denver would have called me up. <laughs> I definitely would have been up under the gun. <laughs> you still got it? You still, you think you still got it? Yeah, I'm still whooping these quarterbacks in quarterback competition, man. And, and I know I, that's, obviously you got pressure and all that stuff coming at you, but I would, I would definitely love to, would have played the quarterback position. Well, the quarterback competition, is that where y'all throw the football in the trash game? Uh, well, we, we upgraded it now. So we have like an actual net and it's like, almost about seven feet tall and it's like a like a trash can top but it goes into a net on mm-hmm. wheel i think uh you guys see it with aaron Rodgers every year that little thing he throw um the help the, you know the uh the helmet yeah exactly so uh that's what we have now for the uh the quarterback challenge and you be involved in that weekly every week and now we do it with uh like so everybody gets to throw on it now so i throw against like the defensive players mm-hmm. it's so bad mac i beat my guys so bad on the defensive side of the ball they kicked me out of the group. They said, I can't play with them no more. You only can wow. throw with the quarterbacks, because you can't throw with us. <laughs> so, so check this out. When y'all doing this quarterback competition, I know you're a competitive guy. Is there yeah. anything on the line? Do you guys bet any money, or, or is there any any level of uh, um, betting going on? Well, you know, um, I haven't been much betting on it. It's just more like bragging rights now. Okay. Yeah, it's more like you get like – so like me, Jordan, D.C., who else? Oh, Isaiah. Who else would be in there? Hassan Reddick, Byron Murphy. It'll be about seven of us. And we always get like the best of three. And it's always like whoever made the best of this three. Now we on to another challenge. So it's just all about bragging rights for the most part. Okay. Well, yeah. sure. We got to get some footage. I remember seeing when Carson was there, you yeah. guys were doing the quarterback challenge. Yeah. I think the loser had to dress up on a road trip or yeah. something like that, right? You to dress up all the time. So if you all lost, the time. Yeah. With a road trip or a home game, you had to have a costume on. And Carson, he did a great job of, uh, you know, he because that was some of the things that he did in Cincinnati, uh, him and his brother, you know, because and, and, I remember him telling me in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, I didn't know this. They used to have to ride the bus, like to Pittsburgh. They rode the bus to Pittsburgh. Yeah. 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 Cause like, it's a short, it's a, it's a short, uh, plane ride. Man, okay, how, how short it is. We need to get on that on that plane. Now man. we will fly to Cincinnati. The only place we will bust to would be Cleveland. We'll bust to Cleveland, but Cincinnati, we always we always flew to Cincinnati. I was like, no, man, we can't do that. But so that's where he came up with the the dressing up idea. Is when uh-huh. he was in Cincinnati. Is like if you lost, I didn't want to have any money involved because all everybody has money, but no one likes being humili- uh, humiliated. So. That's why he thought the uh, the costumes would be great and uh, bring a little camaraderie to the team, and that it did. And we had a great time doing it uh, while he was here as our quarterback. Oh, I love it. We had a lot of competition going in our locker room as well. Brings the guys together, like you said. And other news in National Football League, Tampa Bay took another one on the chin. Tom Brady didn't have a good outing. Bounced back a little bit in the fourth quarter. Your former head coach, B.A., Bruce Arians, has been extremely critical of Tom Brady. Are you surprised with how critical he's been out in the public about his star quarterback and legend, the GOAT, that he's coaching currently in Tom Brady? Because I didn't see B.A. cuss some of the Man. greatest of greats out. <laughs> but are you surprised with him being so critical on Tom Brady? Not at all, man. Exactly. B.A. is uh, definitely one of my all-time favorite coaches, man, because – Coach is going to tell, tell, tell you how it is. 
You know, I always, I think I said this, what, about three episodes ago, like just coaches give that tough love, no matter who it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you can respect coach so much because it don't matter what performance you put on, what, what your past may have been or, you know, what you think you are. He's going to tell you how it is point blank period. My first time, this is when I knew he was real. When he came there, like our second practice and he got on Larry, like you never seen a coach get on Larry. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. All right. Yeah. He, he, and he, and he said that when he went as his first meeting, he was like, I don't give a damn who you are. Da, 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 oh, man. Everything I'm, he's, every word is a curse word out of his mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm here yeah. to coach and I'm going to hey, coach he, hard. <laughs> he ever cussed you out before? Nah, man. Thank God he didn't. The coach never cussed me out. But hey. the thing he did, though, he did used to call us out like as a unit. And this is what coach told me this. He told me this in my face. He was like, you know why I'm on the DB so hard? Cause uh, he, we couldn't do nothing. Like we couldn't, mm-hmm. everything that we did was horrible. It uh, wasn't right. But he said the reason why I used to be on the DB so hard because at, at the time it was me, Gerard, uh, 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 Rashard, Johnson. All um, SEC guys, by the way. Exactly, all SEC guys. So he was like, you know why I'm on y'all so hard and I call y'all out in, pra- in, in practice and meetings because I know y'all going to respond. I can't talk to everybody like that because it, it can go either way. But when I, when I talk to y'all and, and have y'all in a specific message, I know y'all gonna want to go out there and prove me right or prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. So he said, that's why every time in, in team meetings or whatever, I'm on y'all ass like no other, because I know y'all gonna respond. And when y'all respond and when y'all play well, that's when it trickles to the team. And I was like, damn, he, okay, coach got a point. And when yeah. we saw it, it was like, yep, BA just being BA, you know, he's, he's just trying to find a way to push our buttons. And he, and he did, he had a, a very, very good tactic of doing that. Week in and week out on trying to get the best out of, out of his players. I remember he BA cussed me out one time my rookie year. Now the reason why he cussed me out because I was a part of scout team defense, and you already know when you're going against the, the legit starters on offense, they don't want you to touch the ball. I didn't understand that they want you to give them a nice, real, legit look, but right. pull up when the pass get there. So I'm like, man, I'm like, screw all this, man. I'm saying I'm trying to let these people know I can play some ball. <laughs> so man, they, we try to give give them a, a legit look for the week of that Sunday ball game, and man, I remember I jumped on the curl route. I jumped on the curl route. I broke it up. So they 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 they, they kind of got fired up a little bit. Ba didn't cuss me out then. Uh-huh. So I remember Ray Orton was like, "B Mac, you gotta let him catch the ball, <laughs> B Mac, right?" <laughs> you know how Coach Ray talk, right? Yeah. Like man, come on, man, screw that, man. I'm trying to work on my craft. Let me work on my right. craft, right? B Mac, let him catch the ball, okay. So the next time they ran an out route, I jumped, I jumped on it, right? Uh-huh. Man, I broke it up again. BAC, who is that? That's 20, <laughs> coach. That's McFadden. Them Florida State, mother ever state, they know everything. Get them out of there. Give me another corner that's going to do what we want to do. I said, coach, man, you want a real look, don't you? F all that. We don't want no real look. We want to look good. You're not making us look good now. F all that. Get his ASS out of there. Right. Man, they put me on the sideline, man. They kicked me out of Scott T practice, man. Man, I'm going to tell you one thing I hate the most about that. I think that's why sometimes, and I used to say this all the time, well, you know, you said on the side, like, why can't we give our offense a good look? When we on defense, they give oh, us a good look. They oh, no, the man. They listen. Them all, son. Man, they, 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 they not pulling up. Exactly. They're not pulling up on us. Anytime. Every single time. It, it, it's so it's so one-sided because listeners and viewers, we're talking about practice right now. And for us, when we're on the scout team defense, our job is to give Aaron Rodgers a look. Our job is to give Kyler Murray a look. 
yards. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to see, but they tell us, let the receivers catch the football. Right. Like, if you got a chance to break, let them catch it. But when we're on defense, we playing against a scout team wide receiver. Mm-mm. He's competing. Right. He, he's, he, he's literally fighting for a job, basically. Man, he ain't laying up. He ain't giving <laughs> up. He trying to go get it. He trying to stretch out. And mm-hmm. it, man, let's, I'd be like, man, it's so one sided. Let them catch the ball. But when we're going against our, when we're in our period, oh, they going, they going full speed. Yeah, I, I never got that, man. That's like, that's the only way we get better. That's how you'll be able to find out what plays work and what plays don't work. Thank you. Thank you. But <laughs> I, I got cussed out like a dog because I was breaking up passes. I'm thinking that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to exactly. compete. So now you're going to be in the back of your head like, all right, I might can't throw that out because this, this it got battered down a couple of times in practice. So I got to be a little bit more strategic on how I want to throw that out route versus no having it in the, you know, in the, uh, in your, in your first 15 ready, uh, your ready calls. And now it get picked off. It happened in practice. It happened so in what practice. did you expect? Yeah. Yeah. But when you pull up, they actually think they got a legit shot on throwing that wow. deep out. Hey man, horror stories from scout team, man. Only hey, on all things covered. Yeah, he loved them deep outs, boy. Oh, them deep outs. Oh, no question. Especially when he three yards away from that hash, give you that straight stem coming at you. <laughs> oh, that deep out is coming, man. Stay tuned. We're talking about deep outs, man. Listeners, viewers, make sure you stay tuned. I'm sure we got a special guest coming up who catches a lot of deep outs. Justin Jefferson will be joining us later in the show. Make sure you stay tuned right at the halftime. But talking about wide receivers and talking about speed, Pat P, Tyreek Hill. Man, call that man said National Guard, get down here. Man, listen, Tyreek Hill finished the day 13 receptions, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Heck, in the first quarter. He had 203 yards in the first quarter. And I know Todd Bowles is your guy. We all respect Todd Bowles as a play caller. But, heck, whatever the game plan was, it, it, by the fourth, first quarter, I'm throwing out the window. Double number 10. We just ain't got it today. I'm just go ahead and lay it on the line. Coach, we ain't got it today. Wherever 10 is, cloud 10. We're going to put a defense in called, yeah, 3-4, cloud 10. Mm-hmm. Whatever three four, we're gonna run a three four scheme, we're gonna cloud ten. Man, this man had two hundred yards, two hundred and three yards in the first quarter. Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah. Man, it, it, I, it, it, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I ever seen that. Like personally. <laughs> I got I see T. Y. Hilton's on this list too with 147, Sammy Walkers with 151. Oh, that was last year. Ooh. Yeah. yeah Sammy Walker had 151 in the first quarter, and Lee Evans had in 2006, 100, uh, two, 205 yeah. in the first quarter. But I don't think I actually saw those games. But I saw that one last night. <laughs> man, Yesterday. Man. Listen, I was like, ooh. He got a different speed. Yeah, man. But that that ball that he put in there on the um on the, the for the third one, yeah, on the fade. I'm like, man, how this man just drill that ball in there like that? was that? real good coverage by Carton Davis. It was. He put that thing right behind the DB ear, man. I was like, Jesus Christ. And it I'm going to I'm I'm tell you this much, listeners, viewers, we're going to keep it real here. As a defensive back, if you're ever in a game like that, the pride within us, we, we will never ask for help. We right. won't. We yeah. won't ask for help. It won't be like verbally to the sideline coach, man. Yeah, I need yeah, some help. <laughs> we ain't going to verbally ask for help. But in our mind, you like, man, help me out a little bit. <laughs> hey, 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 you might in your mind, you'd be like, hey, coach, man, give me something, man, with safety over the top. Man, you see him out here struggling? But we're not going to verbally say it. We got too much pride. We ain't come to the sideline and be like, man, coach, man, give me, give me, a, give me some help over the top. Give me a little cloud yeah, and, safety. And, and, and the thing was they had – 
help over the top. On that one, he threw that seven. They was in two man. It didn't matter. The same thing. Get another win. It was in two man when he caught the seven route. <laughs> Listen, when you think you deep, you ain't deep enough when number two yeah. on the sideline on yeah. your side. Man, you better get deep. I'm gonna tell you what Mickey Andrews told, told a walk on DB one time. He kept getting beat so much in practice. Lord have mercy, I felt bad for him. Cool Andrews told him if we if you had a scholarship, I'd strip you the scholarship, but you ain't got one. I can't strip you of anything because you just keep showing up. Coach Andrews said, if I told you not to come, tell you not if I told you not to show up, you still to show up. So I just gotta yeah. deal with you. He said, This is what I want you to do. In one-on-one drills, Pat, the man just kept getting beat. Cole Andrews had him made him go five straight times against five different wide receivers, and he kept getting beat deep. So Cole Andrews said, This is what I want you to do, son. I want you to line up 15 yards off the wide receiver. 15 yards. 15? He's like, coach, that's too deep. You said our depth's supposed to be anywhere between seven to eight yards. He says, F all that. You won't do what I tell you to do anyway. So why you want to do it now? F all that. Listen to me. So he's, and he literally cussing at him, right? He said, I want you to line 15 yards off the man. I want you to face the opposite way. So instead of facing the wide receiver, Pat, he, his back is facing the wide receiver. He said, I want you to face this way and get in a track stand. What's your 40? What's your 40 stands? He said, my 40 stand. He said, you know what? You're right. You slow as molasses. You ain't got no 40 stand. Just stand straight up. So he said, when you hit a quarterback say, hot, I want you to sprint. He said, boy, if he beats you deep, if he still get behind you, I'm going to tell you this much right now. I want you to run to the top of Dope Campbell Stadium and jump off. If your parents called me, I'm going to say, I haven't seen you. You went missing. I don't know where he is. He's okay. Wherever he is, he's okay. If this man get behind you after being 15 yards off of him and you're facing the opposite way in a running sprint stance, Mm -hmm. you don't deserve to ever be on our field anymore. And he actually made him do it. He said, now, call a play. So the officer coach was like, what? He said, man, the receiver coach, he said, call a play and give him a go ball. Let me see if he get behind him. Man, we was begging him, please don't let this man get behind him. Please don't Long story short, the walk-on just kept running, kept running, kept running. <laughs> he didn't stop until <laughs> we called him back. So he said, Coach, I did it. I didn't get beat deep. He said, you know what? You didn't get beat deep. He said, can I go again? He said, no, you will never go again. It was in spring practice. He didn't let him go one rep the rest of spring throughout the rest of spring. Wow. Coach Andrews was hell, man. Coach yeah. Andrews was hell. I've been, across, I've been around Coach Andrew a couple of times, recruiting me and going up there to those – uh those nose uh, tra- uh, camps they had in the summertime for the high schoolers. So I've been around him a lot, you know, growing up from literally from ninth grade to my senior year, man. I always ask Coach Andrews, like, man, what are you chewing on? Like, what is in your mouth? And ain't nothing. He's just literally chewing on his inside of his cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> always chewing and ready to cuss you out ready to straight cuss you out man but that's the type of defense they should have played against Tyreek Hill cause man it was tough it was tough it was tough now here are all things covered we don't just talk football we love talking other sports as well there was a big sporting event that happened this past Saturday it was a boxing event two legendary iconic individuals jumped right back in the match in the ring one more time. Roy Jones Jr., Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson looks real good. I mean, to be hey, 54, look. man, he's in real good shape. Uh, he said he lost around 100 pounds for the fight. Uh, Roy Jones looked pretty good as well. He didn't look as good as uh, Mike Tyson, but, you know, Roy, you know, did his thing. But leading up to that fight, uh, the fight before the fight, Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson and um, what's the YouTube guy again, name? J- uh, Jake. Jake. Jake Paul, Jake. I remember a- Antonio Brown and Jake Paul had a little social media feud at one point in time. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, no, 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 you don't want that fight. But uh, unfortunately for Nate Robinson, 
it didn't go as planned. And me personally, listeners, viewers, I watched the fight. I know Pat tuned into the fight. I saw you tweeted at it. And the issue that I had with the fight was Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, number one, I think Snoop should be devoted. He, he should be required to, to commentate. Uncle Snoop. Yeah, yeah, he should, he should, uh, be required to commentate more boxing events or just more sporting events mm-hmm. anyway. But Snoop took, did something to me, man. Cause I didn't want to laugh at Nate. And I, and I, I felt like, you know, it, it's, it's tough to really get into that arena, not being a professional yeah. to try to do that on a national stage. But Snoop, man, man, Pat, man, number one, me and you talked about this and we both love boxing as well. You, you, you said something very, very critical earlier before we actually started recruiting. I mean, recording. You said they should have called the fight when Nate got hit behind the ear. Yeah. They should have called it then. And I agree with you. Cause you remember when the referee said, give me your hand. Nate didn't want to give him his hand because he kept holding the back of that head. Right. Yeah, was already on 13 seconds when he asked him that. <laughs> he was still holding his hand. I thought literally if they don't do what you, what you asked them to do, he's supposed to call it up because clearly they're not really folks that dialed in. Man, that was a charity event. We saw enough. But yeah, in a but in a charity event, you're not supposed to go to sleep like that. That's exactly. You're and not it, supposed to get put to sleep for real. Hey, you ain't lying. And much and I I wasn't laughing at Nate by any stretch of imagination. I really wasn't. It yeah. was Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Man, Snoop had me. Snoop <laughs> had me crying, laughing because just the things he was saying, it it was almost like I don't know. It was almost like a, uh, it was almost like a, uh, what you call it? Like a roast, like mm-hmm. a roast thing. And, and it was, it was just him commentating what made me laugh for the most part. But, uh, man, big shout out though to Nate for even taking that, taking that, that fight and taking the opportunity because I know I wouldn't have done it. Hang so- on. There's no, no way they could have gave me headgear, a helmet. I'm not getting to know what a professional boxer. So do you think should they should Nate continue boxing? Honestly, if Nate care about his his well being, that would have been my last fight. If I was if I was him, I, obviously I know everybody don't want to go out like that. But like everybody say all the time, Terrence Crawford said it best: you can't play boxing. No, you, you have don't just mentality. You don't just wake up in the morning and say I want to start boxing exactly. and fight and, for real and professionally. I think Right. And at the end of the day, if, if Nate do do it again, he have to fight somebody that's in his, like in his class. I, I know yeah. they was the same weight wise, but athletes weigh are heavier, heavier than and, fighters. And know? Nate fight five, nine, you fighting a guy who's six, who's exactly. a, yeah, six like footer, the reach. Yeah, four inch reach on him. Like he, Nate had no opportunity. He had no real legitimate opportunity of really touching Jake because you know, cause Jake obviously is a boxer. That's what he do. He, he turned professional, knocked the guy out in his first, a professional boxer out mm-hmm. in his first, in his first, in his first bout. So I knew Nate was going to have trouble because I knew, and I, and I, I never even seen Nate spar or, or, or fight, but I saw Jake fight and I was like, hell, that's going to be good enough to beat somebody who's just stepping in the ring for the first time. Man, you don't step in the ring for the first time against someone who already fought professionally. Man, you might man, get somebody out. I think he yeah. knocked him out in the second round. That ain't the type of game you want to play around with, oh, man. That can man. that can put you in the on a, a funeral brochure. It put that, going back to what like I said, I thought they should have called the uh the first knockout, but yeah, that yeah, third yeah. one, though, man, when he was on that ground, bro, I was like, <laughs> Snoop said, Oh Lord, said, somebody Please. help him. Because I thought the man I thought he was done, man. I ain't gonna lie, cause I thought he was that, that was a devastating blow, man. 
No question. I mean, it's a devastating blow. None of us are in a position to tell someone what they should or shouldn't do. But if you decide to do that, make sure you're ready and make sure, like you said, Pat, you go against someone who's kind of on the same level. You know what I mean? Let that be their first fight as well. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So now the playing field is even to some degree, but, uh, you know, that's a tough professional to, to, to be involved in if you're not there yet. You know what I mean? So, you know, hopefully he's able to, you know, once, if you want to continue, then hopefully he goes against someone who's, has the same amount of experience, I'll say, that he has. Cause, right, because the pros well, in the pudding, man. Boxing man. can really mess you up mentally. And, and a lot of people think, like, because you've been in a lot of fights, you can box. No, yeah. boxing is tiring. Yeah, it's, no it's, it's, you got to be in shape to box. Right. And you, you know, know most me? people that fight on the street, it's only five minutes. <laughs> if, if that, it might get a minute, 30 seconds, minute, 45 seconds, depending on when you at. And now you know and then, somebody no break it up. Ones. Exactly. Ain't no more yeah. one-on-ones nowadays. It's no question. Jumping or somebody shooting somebody. Man, you thought they're throwing, throwing blows, man. You're going to be blowed after, after the 10th swing. And then you might <laughs> want to lock up. Somebody won't try to wrestle you and get up underneath you. Now you're using the energy trying to get out of that scoop position. And now you're trying to scoop them. And uh, now, man, please. That boxing is totally different, but it was entertaining. Ladies and gentlemen, it's halftime for us right now. But on the other side of halftime, we got an outstanding guy joining us here on the show. All things covered, Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden, Justin Jefferson will be joining yeah. us here. Yes, sir. Two-step. The, 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 the gritty? The gritty? That's what they do. The gritty. Yeah, the gritty. You're going to be talking about the gritty and a lot of other things coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Yo, 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 what up, All Thing Covered listeners? We got a standout guest here today, one of my LSU Tigers, Justin Jefferson, a standout rookie for the Minnesota Vikings. In the game Sunday, they had a win over the Panthers, and Justin had an amazing game, had seven receptions for 70 yards, two tubs. On the season, my man is balling, which I said, which is no surprise. Had opportunity to talk a little bit earlier with, on the year. He got 52 catches and a hundred, uh, 918 yards with six tubs. Almost a G ball already. Yeah. <laughs> Almost a G ball. 2020 first round draft pick. And I cannot let this go. A 2019 <laughs> college champ. My guy. He's on all social media. Jay Jetta too. What's happening, Justin? What's, What's up, Justin? Father. <laughs> Appreciate you joining us here on All Things Covered. But before we get into your professional career, man, how do you go from a two or three star recruit 2017 to now in 2020 
be becoming one of the best up and coming wide receivers in the National Football League. Clearly, right now, you're the best rookie wide receiver in the National Football League. Man, how, how did that happen? Tell us about that. Um, just trusting the process. Uh, going to LSU at, at a small weight, not being that top uh, receiver in the SEC. You know, I just had to really just be patient with myself. I knew that I wasn't going to come in and, and be that that star receiver yet, so. I had to put in that work. I had to go to to weight room and, and drink protein, get get extra lifts in. So, you know, throughout the whole process, just just being that 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 coachable player and just learning things and just learning new ways to to help my game. Outside of LSU, Justin, I saw you had Nickel State and yeah. Tulane, and I think the biggest yeah. school was Northwestern, right? So, yeah. yeah, tell us about a little bit about. Tell us a little bit about that process because, you know, Nickel State, Tulane, Northwestern, and then, of course, LSU came, you know, knocking on your door. But did you right. feel any disrespect when you didn't have the big-name universities chasing you like some of your other teammates probably had? Not much disrespect, but, uh, you know, it's just lack of confidence. Uh, you know, when you don't have those big schools chasing after you, uh, like you see on on Twitter, uh, with, with, uh, some of the big receivers, you know, you just, you just think that you cannot play on that, that type of level. You think that, you know, some, somewhere in your game that, uh, it's not good enough that coaches can, can go looking for you. So just having, having that in the back of my mind really made me play better. Having that chip on my shoulder, just, just people doubting me. I mean, all of that just plays a part in, in going out there on Sundays and then balling out. Man, I had the opportunity to watch, like I said in the introduction, I had the opportunity to watch Justin grow literally since he was 11 years old. <laughs> and I can just remember him just being outside of the W. That's where all the, uh, the athletes stayed and stuff. After yeah. every game, him and my brother out there throwing footballs, running back. <laughs> and I'll never forget, they always, they used to always say, man, we coming out. And they both end up going to LSU. Yeah. We're going to yeah. go to LSU and dominate, you know what I mean, and be on the same level that you and Jordan on. Right. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's really a, a real pleasure to see how you have grown and, and where you are right now in your career. But tell me this, how did it feel hearing your name in the same sentence as Randy Moss? It's been crazy. Um, it, it's something that I, I, you really cannot imagine, especially as a, as a rookie. And then with everything going on with COVID, not being able to have preseason, you know, all of that plays a part in, in NFL and, um, me just going straight into regular season and not having any experience with NFL. And then on the third game of the season, just go out and have 175 yards. So it, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been, it's been unrealistic, so I'm definitely grateful to to be in this position and playing for for my family. But uh, what I wanted to ask you was about give these, I guess these young players or not even the young players, the viewers, a little bit of insight on what Sherman Tyler as a rookie, because like you said, you didn't have an off season, you didn't have you know training camp. Well, you had training, camp. you didn't have preseason. You had to literally get right into it, and yeah. you're literally you're at right where you left off in college. So give us a little bit of uh, insight on your mentality. How was it going into the, going into the league? Like you said, you didn't have no off season, but how did you approach the game knowing that you didn't have no preseason, knowing that you didn't have the community, uh, the, the chemistry down with your quarterback? Give us a little bit of insight on that. Well, first of all, all of that, all of that really started from, uh, being not, not well, not winning the Belentlikoff. That was the first. First thing that I wanted to, to do, win Belentley calls. I didn't get first team All-American, didn't get second team All-American. 
I'm, I mean, I just, I just been doubted all, all of my career and, um, you know, going into, going into the NFL, being picked fifth receiver, um, you know, all of that plays a part. And, um, I just want to go out there and just show people that I'm the best, uh, out there. So, uh, just putting in the extra work, you know, staying after practice with Kirk and getting extra throws in, you know, all of that, uh, you have to build that connection with, with that quarterback. So, you know, me doing that has built our connection tremendously. You know, I just, I just try to go every game and, and just try to be the best player that I can be. Um, just not letting cornerbacks speed me up and, and play me out my game. So I just, I've been playing my own. Hey, Justin, as a, as a corner, I'm going to tell you what you do very, very well. And young corner, uh, young receivers are not good at this. You do a great job of stacking the DB. You do yeah. an awesome job stacking the DB. I was watching the game. I believe you guys was playing Green Bay. Cause who, who you guys played that two games ago? Like Green Bay, right? It was on TV. I know that for sure. We played Chicago. Was it Chicago? Yeah. That, yeah. It was Chicago yeah. and not the one that you made my man fall. And we all been as a DB. We all been in that situation. <laughs> hey, don't get on your heels. <laughs> don't get on your heels. <laughs> right. Can't get on your heels, but don't get on your heels. in that one, in that one, I think he was at a slot. At the slot receiver and you acting like you was going to run like the, 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 the corner, but you stacked him enough and you gave him like that head fake outside. Yeah. You ran yeah. like the dig. I was like, man, only not many. And Judy does a great job of stacking, um, receivers as well. But like, uh, what, like, where did that come from? Obviously, you know, you hear people all the time talking about stack the DB, stack the DB, yeah. stack the DB, but most guys don't really take that into the game. Do you feel that that's, that's one of your advantages that you have on? DBs and not only DBs, but younger receivers in the game right now. Yeah. And having a coach like Coach Jerry Sullivan, um, you know, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He helped me tremendously. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of tapes of Larry, uh, at practice. We've seen plenty of tapes of different guys that he coached throughout the years. So, you know, when he started coaching me my freshman year of of college, I just took that always in consideration as, you know, I got to be perfect with my technique you know uh my technique wins battles so uh just just being out there on the field uh just like i said just just being in my own zone not letting people speed me up not not letting you know my routes get sloppy so you know all of that just plays a part in my head and i just go out there and just ball and and speaking of your techniques and your routes man i love watching you run routes and i'm a former db and i usually don't like seeing wide receivers run routes because i'm biased (laughs) always want to see them get touched up a little bit but you have an unorthodox style when it comes to route running it it reminds me a little bit of you know how Le'Veon bell changed the game with his Uh, running style and pat when i watch justin play i'm gonna throw out a name that he reminds me of when you look at his route running and you're going to be like, wow. And I know you have a lot of respect for this guy, Stevie Johnson. Oh man. Hey, Stevie Johnson has some, has some AI in his game, like basketball. You know what I mean? So when I watch Justin run his routes, man, it's like he's floating. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of slow motion style and he's like crossing you up and you ran a pivot route this past weekend in the red zone, man. The DB didn't have a chance, man. Tell, tell us a little bit about your style when it comes to running routes because it's not the normal style that we see from most wide receivers. Where did you come up with that? Did someone instill that into your game? Or is this something that you kind of created on the fly? Uh, it's funny that you say that because I do look at, at one-on-ones like uh, basketball crossover. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, you're just trying to win your, your one-on-one bat- battle. Like it's, like it's an ISO game. Everybody out the way is just you and one player and you're just trying to get to the goal. So I just try to keep that same mindset is I'm just trying to do a crossover, just trying to get, get past them and then went on my route. So doing, doing all of that just helps me 
you know, get open, get get to that what I need to get on the field and, and you know, make that catch. Well you're doing a great you're doing a great job at it. I can tell you that much. I wouldn't <laughs> want to cover you, but I love watching you run routes though. <laughs> hey, so, uh Justin, uh, we haven't had a rookie of the year, receiver rookie of the year since two thousand fourteen, and that was our guy as well. Yeah. OBJ. Oh. It only happened three times in this century. So uh I guess Plead your case on why you feel that, you know, we, we, we at that time of the season right now, going into week 12, why you feel that you should be NFL rookie of the year? Um, well, one, um, none of the, none of the rookies are, are putting up the, the stats that I'm putting up right now. I mean, just, just look at the, uh, the circumstances with, with everything going on, you know, starting my, starting my first game, I, I come up with 175 yards with two tubs, uh, against, you know, one of the top, teams in the in the NFL right now so you know I've I just been I've just been you know doing my own my own little thing just you know setting records doing my doing my own ditty so uh I'm just trying to prove to the world that you know I, I am uh one of the one of the top players and that I should be the rookie of the year you heard it here first he's him no question. No question. You talk about proving to the world, Justin, man. You talked about coming up out of high school, kind of getting overlooked. Uh, you had an outstanding career at LSU. I think you had 18 receiving yards. I mean, receiving touchdowns. You didn't even make all yeah. SEC first team, yeah. which is mind boggling for me. Right. And then leading up to the draft, right? Played a, was a part of a historical great offensive unit. In college football, LSU won the championship. You had a lot yeah. to do with that cha- that title. Leading up to the draft, you know, people were all throwing your name in the first round category, but you were the fifth wide receiver to come off the board. And I think the team before Minnesota, I think it was Philadelphia. Yeah. And Philadelphia, they had the nerve to take a wide receiver, but it wasn't you. So. Yeah. I know my process when I got drafted, I got drafted in the second round and I felt some type of way. I think the only person that's right. on this call right now was happy with where they got drafted as Pat <laughs> Pete. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I tell people all, this all the time. When it comes to getting drafted, there are probably only three or four guys that's going to be happy where they got drafted right. because they went extremely high. Everybody else going to feel like they should have gone higher. But yeah. personally, do you feel like you should have gone higher than being the fifth wide receiver to come off the board? And does that add more fuel to your fire every Sunday when you step on the field right now? Yeah, I mean, as as you look at it, you know, I I came as you look at the tape at, at my steps, you know, I had fifteen hundred yards, I had eighteen touchdowns, and in I had a, a over a hundred receptions. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't really understand why I was the fifth receiver taken, and then I came out in at, at the combine and ran a four four three. Yes, so, sir. I don't really under, I didn't understand it, so I just took that in consideration and and say like. All right, that's that's cool. Y'all go take that receiver. I'm gonna make y'all pay for taking that receiver. And so, you know, I, I just had that that mindset every every single week. And every every time I go up against you know a top corner, I try to I try to show that you know I, I can beat this guy. I can I can show y'all that you know I, I'm the top receiver too. And speaking of, you said you just said that very you know mild man I only had a hundred. What you had like 130, right? Uh, 111, 111, yeah. Because at, at one point you had, did Jamar end up uh, passing you in the playoffs? Because I knew you guys were like one and two as far as receptions. Uh, I had, I have the most receptions. Uh, oh, so at, oh, he, I think he only had like 89 or something like that. Okay. So, so yeah, I had, I had the most receptions. Heck, he, he probably had 30 receptions against Oklahoma just in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had four touchdowns in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I remember he, that game. 
And speaking yeah, of Jamar, you know who Jamar reminds me of, though? He reminds me a lot of uh, DeAndre Hopkins on yeah. being able to catch the ball yeah. aggressively off of DBs. But he also reminds me a little bit of uh, DK Metcalf on the strength that he has yeah. as yeah. great tackles and being able to, you know, have that aggression on getting the ball in the end zone. Um, but speaking of our, um, our, our former, well, our LSU Tigers, they're going to be – um, going into the draft this year, uh, give us a little insight on Jamar and uh, Terrence Marshall. Uh, those guys, guys? Those, those, are my, those are my brothers right now, right, yeah. uh, right here, bro. Um, you know, I, I had great times with them. Um, you know, I practiced throughout the game, and I mean, we had a, a legendary career, uh, well, season last year. So, you know, those guys are, are tremendous players, uh, ball players that definitely can play on Sundays. I'm just. I'm just excited to see them see them grow up as well. You know, I was I was at LSU before they were, so uh, I got to really see them grow uh, as players and and really just change positions like I did. You know, to to get to the outside and then go to the slot. So uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see what they what they got going on when they get to the NFL. And talking about, you know, Chase and Jefferson, those guys, you guys did something that we might not ever see a trio guys do again. But outside of catching passes and, and scoring touchdowns, I mean, you guys, specifically you, right, Justin, the gritty, made the gritty a phenomenon. Now, people are doing the gritty all across the country, probably all across the globe. Whenever they score a touchdown and do something great, they're trying to do the, the gritty. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. That special celebration and how you just took it and made it a national hit. Well, it all started off us being at LSU. You know, all of us are most likely from from Louisiana, so we all love to dance, love to show our character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we know this guy from from New Orleans. Uh, his nickname is Gritty, and um, he had posted this this dance that uh, he had did randomly, and uh, we all saw it. And you know, we it, it had that New Orleans culture to it so uh we all started doing the locker room started uh you know just playing with it and we all well i decided that i wanted to do it for my for my touchdown dance in uh college but you know normally you don't really dance in college you no, know right? yeah exactly dance you get a flag mm-hmm. so um the with the texas game uh i just i did it and they didn't give me give me any flag for it so i was like i <laughs> keep doing it you kept doing it <laughs> and and that texas game was on national tv too it was yes, a night yeah. game yeah, that was a high yeah. Going game. I've been watching that one. Yeah. yeah. Question for you. Well, not a question, Justin, one request. Now, I see, I, I saw early in the year Adam Thielen tried to do it. I mean, he didn't really have it. The rhythm was all the way off, but he tried. When you score this upcoming week, is it possible for you to get Kirk Cousins involved in the gritty? Can you, can you make, can yeah, you can attempt try. to make that happen for us? I can try. I can try, but you know, uh, Kirk is a, as a, He's a, you know, a guy that likes to be laid, laid back, uh, especially with the, with the dance moves, but I definitely would try to get a, get man, a, try, get a man, listen, try to get Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Hopefully you guys got to get an opportunity to get on the grass. I know the facilities yeah. were closed. Uh, we'll be closed Monday and Tuesday, but if you get a chance to get on the grass, whisper in his ear, say, Kirk, when I make this big play, <laughs> I need you to come do the gritty with me. Just try, just try. All right. I got you. I got you. I'm going to get it done for you. There we go. There we got. There we have it. We're going to be tuning in. We're going to be tuning in. <laughs> no doubt about it. So just before we let you go, we got a couple more questions for you, but I got to ask you about opting out for far as the college uh, players. Yeah. Do you feel like if you knew the status that you had, because it can be tricky, like you just talked about, obviously you had everything that you've done in your, in, in your junior, uh, your senior year. I mean, your last year to be able to thought that you did everything possible. 
to right. get drafted high. Do you think that would have been a consideration in your mind if if you was back in school of opting out, knowing what you know now, you know what I mean? Your, what you did that year really didn't, it, it matters, but it didn't matter because you right. still got to fall, fall to the right, right spot. But right. opting out, talk to us a little bit about, um, opting out, you know, these kids opting out of, uh, you know, to play football. Um, I was, I was talking to, uh, Jamar and everything before he had opted out. And, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like it can go both ways, to be honest. You know, you want to, you want to save your career. You know, of course, LSU is not doing, you know, what they expected, uh, to do, but you, you know, you, there's a risk of getting injured, risk of, you know, not having a season that you wanted to have. So there's a lot of things that, that can go to it. But also you can look at it as, you know, playing for your teammates, playing for your brothers and, you know, just being part of a, of the program. But, um, I mean, I felt like, you know, people are opting out. That's, that's their own decision, right. uh, whatever they feel that they need to do. And, you know, it, it's nothing wrong with, preparing yourself for the NFL earlier than, you know, uh, with, with everything going on right now. Which corner has been your toughest match, matchup this season so far? And is, and is there a corner you're looking forward to going against at some point in time in your professional career? Uh, um, uh, Kyle Fuller was, uh, was a little tough. You know, he, he plays, he plays the zone very, very Man, good. His eyes are crazy. Does, yeah. <laughs> He likes to design. Think, think you doing doing something else? Yeah, he'll be right there on you. So, uh, him was definitely uh, one of the best corners that I went up against. Uh, Malcolm Butler was was good also, but I'm definitely looking to go up against Pat. Pat, I, I was hoping we we had, uh, we were seeing each other this year, but uh, definitely look, looking up and going against him um, as many times as I've seen the LSU games and his rookie season at at the Cardinals. So definitely want to want to go up against him. Hey Pat, you feeling kind of old right now? Because you remember you said you was you was around Justin when he was eleven. Yeah, man. Think about that. Yeah, that was ten years ago. Man, that's crazy. Hey, Hey. but I'll never forget when I came to. um, I think it was yeah, it was going into your uh, your last year. Remember, I came out there. I was working out with the DBs. Yeah, and this, that, another. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I remember. remember (laughs) I know he's about to say. He was like, come down here and get some of this work. I was like, man, we're not the young boys right now, man. <laughs> oh, Pat, he called you, like, call you out, Pat? Him and, him and Jamar, man, they called me out, man. I felt bad. I, I, I was like, man, I, I got to go out and show these young puppies a little something. You, you showed, I, I you showed him a little something? Yeah, I was busy trying to get my man Stingley. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he was getting him right. He was getting him right. right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Justin, better duo in Minnesota. Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, Tell me why, why, why? You know, one, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a rookie, but, you know, I, I have the mindset of a, a veteran. You know, I just try to take every game like the same and just try to be consistent. I feel like that's one of the hardest things, especially as a rookie, is, you know, being consistent and having those high yard games, you know, week in and week out. And, you know, just just, just having uh, defenses really disguise their, their – uh, their game around you, you know, that's crazy. I this, Last game was the first time I seen a robber, you know, having a nickel compress and having a corner in the back. That was the first mm-hmm. time I seen that in a, in a, in a hot minute. And, uh, you know, just, just ha- seeing that, um, you know, it, it shows me confidence as well, just showing that, you know, a defense have to do that in order to, to really lock me down. Yeah, that's, yeah, and, and you definitely will go on, you're going to draw a lot more, 
double teams over your career. But I will have to tell you this, Justin, remain the same. Remain the same. Don't let, you know, the fame and, and, and all that stuff that come with the game stay true to yourself. You know what I mean? Cause, right. you know, I, you know, me and Mac, we've been in this, in this league for a very long time. We've seen a lot of guys come and go, but at the same time, if you, it, I know you got the mentality to, to stay at on, on this, on this level and continue to produce at a high level. But man, stay true to yourself, Justin, man. I, I we, we, me and my man, Mac, we appreciate you coming on all things. No covered. Question. And, and nah, don't no forget problem. to tell them. Hey Pat, don't forget the great ones don't have an off season. No, and he know that he know that, yeah. and I, I yeah, see him all the time. Hey, he'd have been around ball his whole life, so his whole family went to LSU. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they might as well name a building after the Jeffersons. They got right, right, right. It's about hey, seventeen of them went to LSU. They're talking, they're talking about the ball family. You talk about <laughs> Jeffersons, man. It's about seventeen <laughs> of them went through LSU. You can't play. Okay, man, and I will tell you this, Matt, man. Mommy, Lana made one of the best cheesecake, yeah. yo. I've yeah. ever had in my life. Oh, yeah? yeah. What? Yeah, they, had, they just came, they just came up here and, and made the Thanksgiving meal. So oh, I, 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 I had, I had, a, oh, I I had a home cooked meal, man. I, I got it. Hey, Justin, did she make that cheesecake for you? She didn't make it this time, man. That <laughs> <laughs> boy sounds disappointed. Make it this time. She didn't make it this time. Hey, hey, I'm telling you, Matt, every time they came up to a game, <laughs> Mommy, Lana had us yeah. a cheesecake. Yeah. Yeah, and it was bomb. So I, I got it and hit mommy Elaine. She got some. She got. She got to put one on, on some right. dry ice and right. some tea. Right. Oh, oh, Pat, you like yours with the ice cream? Yeah, no doubt about it. But she got to put on the dry right. ice so it can stay cold while it's in the right. shade. Yeah, facts. Yeah, so, all right, Justin, man, we appreciate it, man. All things covered, my man, Justin Jefferson, a standout rookie for the Minnesota Vikings, and um. We looking for more success out of you, man. Hey, don't forget, we, we looking, we, we looking for Kirk Cousins when you score this weekend. We <laughs> looking for Kirk Cousins to attempt. I'll tell him, I'll tell him as soon as we get in the building. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks again, Justin. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with you next Tuesday where you can expect all things will be covered. Peace. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.